We landed in Reykjavik and we're like, competition is on. We're all getting laid. <laughs> like, okay. it was like, we had to set it up like it was basically a game. And I'm very competitive. How'd she do? She also hooked up with somebody the same night that I did. Okay. But it was like the second time that I did. So I was clearly um, leading in the races. <laughs> but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Man Or Podcast. Shout out to all the poly parents, to the co-parenting communes, and to all the busty babysitters out there. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Do you want to see your politicians fuck? Well, one one candidate who's running here in New York City uh, seems to think you would. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many people saw this over the weekend. Uh, there's this fella, Mike Itkiss. He's running in the New York 12th Congressional District. He's uh, looking to unseat Jerry Nadler. He's not a Democrat. He calls himself a very liberal independent. And I think it takes a very liberal person to uh, to run for Congress and as part of running for Congress, release a sex tape. He was started making the rounds over the weekend and on Monday with a lot of articles because he released a, a video he made with porn star Nicole Sage on Pornhub. Like on purpose, like this was part of the platform. Yeah, because Mike Itkiss has decided to take a sex positive approach to his campaign. I'd say like above and beyond sex positive approach. I don't think you needed to release a, a porno to be sex positive in your policy platform, but Hey, we'll take it. Uh, you know, on his website, uh, he's got a section called domestic policy, sex positive approach, which just sounds like you're going to make uh, like the military horny. Like, I don't it's just like infrastructure with glory holes, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bridge, but there's glory hole boosts underneath. Cause we're going to, that's going to be how we're going to help fund the bridge is, uh, the dollars that go into that video booth. Uh, no, but Mike, he's got the right idea. For a kind of older white guy on his website right there, he's got sexual rights, wants to defend Lawrence V. Taylor, which gives everyone the right to privately make sexual decisions in their private fucking bedrooms without the cops busting in and stopping your butt fucking. Uh, he you know, believes in the right to not become a parent in case you get pregnant, right? And adultery laws. What's up, swingers? That one's for you. Even the conservative ones. Uh, and also... <laughs> soapbox issue here at the man Whore podcast but also says he wants to decriminalize and legalize sex work i know we say it's decrim but look the fact that he's got the stuff on the website that's let's take a dub on that one uh yeah so i, I and he's got you know other policies that of course i don't care too much about uh but but yeah he uh, he released uh, quite the lackluster porno and it got made fun of on saturday night live so i think that's like a win for him and i just thought, thought it was very interesting Makes me think, which politicians do you want to see bang? 
And yes, the correct answer is you want to see John Ossoff fuck the conservatism out of Lauren Boebert. That is the correct answer. But I don't know. What do you think? You think uh, politicians should be releasing sex tapes? Uh, I'm always out here wanting to shout out politicians who uh, support sex work decrim, among other things. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. If you want to go watch that tape, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm going to warn you, it's not like great porn. It's almost, it's, it's kind, it kind of seems like a sex, like a private marital sex tape, except like he recast his wife with like a hot porn star. I don't know. Maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should watch that one for hot movie night next month. Let's see. Uh, it, it'll be better than what we watch. Hot movie night. Folks, we had a blast in the champagne room for hot movie night, despite the fact that the, this was the first time we watched a porn together where the movie was trash, pure trash. Every element of this movie Taboo American Style Part 4 was utter garbage. The plot didn't make sense anymore, which you were like, Billy, it's a porno. And I'm like, yeah, but parts one, two, and three, we knew what was going on. Part four, they lost the plot. This was, it was like worse than, you know, Superman 4. You're like, what's going on here? There's a montage scene, and we're not really sure why. The music is the same ripoff of Van Halen's jump over and over again. And even the sex scenes, I was just like, I, this is the most lackluster strap-on scene ever produced. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe we should all watch Mike banging out. Folks, this week's guest on the Man Whore Podcast is Jessica Esfandiari. She is the host of the Open Late Podcast, a show all about non-monogamy and just like a little bit of spiritual wellness. Hey, it's a, a, little, a little woo-woo to your bang-bang. You know what I mean? And if you go follow the Open Late Podcast, uh, wherever you're listening to this thing, uh, you'll hear my episode on her show in a couple weeks. But Jessica and I had a really fun conversation. I'm going to let you in on it in just a little bit. We talk a lot about this like family planning as poly people, a topic I don't think comes up quite enough. But we also talk about, you know, getting some of that vacation dick and like low key judging your partner's partners. This is a fun one. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I'm going to share it with you in just a minute. But first, show dates, people, show dates. Remember I had that Aton Levine drop that I would put in, be like, get them hot, get them dates, show dates. Did y'all even like that? Or was I being extra? You'd be like, Billy, this isn't terrestrial radio. Quit it with the drops. Uh, folks, if you want to see me do some stand-up comedy uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this, uh, October 20th, I'm going to be in Jersey City at Pet Shop. I think that's an 8 p.m. show. Uh, October 5th, I'm uh, in Montclair, New Jersey at Pineapple Express BBQ. Yeah, not a comedy club. Sometimes we do stand-up in weird places, like a barbecue restaurant in New Jersey or someone's living room in Maryland. Uh, I'm back in Brooklyn on November 9th at Secret Poor in Bushwick. The venue is not secret. You can find it if you search. And on November 11th, I'll be at the Producers Club on the 8 p.m. show. Come hang out, check those out, and stay tuned for more show dates. Folks, the emails are open. Did you know that? I read everything you send my way. You got comments, you got criticisms about the pod, uh, you, you have some feedback about these commercials you've been hearing. Yeah, don't worry, I'm passing them along to the, to the people upstairs. I take them all in, I'm reading them all, I'm answering your advice questions. Sometimes I even share them here on the show. Friendly reminder, you can shoot me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com. 
Before we get to this week's guest, Jessica Esfandiari, let's do a quick fan horror appreciation moment, okay? This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a shout out to some of the members of my fan horror community on Patreon. Patreon is the best and most direct way you can support my work here at the Man Whore Podcast. So right now I want to say a very special thank you to Christina Kaufman. I assume you are not the Christina Kaufman German-Austrian actress. Uh, that would be very strange because then that means you'd be dead for five years. So that's probably illegal. Lady, when you fake your own death and then you support a podcaster on Patreon, use a fake name. Or like, I don't know, maybe you just have that name. That's fine, too. Regardless, whoever you are, thank you for your doll hairs. Much supported. They went towards helping me buy condoms that did not get used over the weekend when I got stood up on back-to-back nights. We'll talk about that another time. So thanks for not standing me up on Patreon, Christina. And you, too, can become a member and support the pod you love for as little as $2 per month. Sign up for an annual membership. You even get a discount. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast, Or download the Patreon app and find me on there. We've got nearly 300 bonus episodes available exclusively on Patreon. And if you stick around to the very end of this show, you're going to hear a teaser, like a juicy teaser at the end of my bonus episode with Jessica, um... I'm just going to tell you that this one is like very anal. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to have to stick around to the end of the pod if you want to hear why. But for now, you know, let's go talk about non-monogamy, about wanting kids, about polyamory, about competing for that vacation D with your friend. Let's go have a chat with Jessica Esfandiari. But yes, first I got just a few commercials. Just hang tight. Oh, you're starting to podcast as a comedian talking to other comedians why is that going to be different he said because it's fucking me yeah like that's why and that's what matters so like your quiz is great this is so good it's yeah and And now i also have to scour the internet and find the others because i (laughs) looked and i couldn't find any oh no it's it's but it's jessica's quiz and that's and like jessica's people want all jessica things yeah so oh wait with the quiz is to what establish like what type of non-monogamous relationship you want yeah okay what were like the uh the optional answer like what uh where yeah. could you end up it's essentially uh monogamy monogamish open poly and anarchy so it's just the five okay um yeah but I put a lot of love into it. There's, there's, I, this is not a quiz. I am not attacking your quiz. Um, I gave up on attacking quizzes when BuzzFeed took off. It was like BuzzFeed's a news source now. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Yeah. It used to be, a th- I feel like 10 years ago, we used to like make fun of BuzzFeed for the quizzes. And then they became like an actual news organization. And yeah. we were like, all right, we'll take you seriously, dude. Yeah. I remember going to auditions when I first moved to LA Uh at BuzzFeed for their like funny spoofy videos that they used to do. This is like 10 years ago, 12 Mm. years ago. Mm. (laughs) How was, uh, how was Burning Man? Oh, it was good. That doesn't sound great. (laughs) It was, it was, um, it was mildly traumatic. Um, but this is just my own like my own shit. So I, I do Burning Man differently than a lot of people. I go in early and I build my camp and then I stay late and I do strike 
Um, and so I end up putting a lot of energy and effort into it. And even like throughout the year, pretty much from like August 1st, I was just working on Burning Man. Um, and then, the, you know, so there was a lot that went into it. I was really burnt before I even got there. And then the conditions were extremely challenging this year. So it was just one of those things where at the end of it all, the juice like was not worth the squeeze. And it always is. Like Burning Man's supposed to be difficult and challenging and, you know, hard and beautiful. And it's like the highs and the lows of the human experience. You know, you put yourself through a lot to have like this wildly transformative experience. And this was the first year where I was like, nothing happened to me that was wildly beautiful or transformative. Like I had beautiful moments, of course, like my best friends in the world go like that my whole camp is a family. Um, but it was so hard and so challenging and so scary and at times kind of dangerous um, that I was like, yeah, not worth it this year. This was not worth like sand stuck in my ass crack for five days. No. Yeah. I mean, and beyond that, that's like, <laughs> that's like, fun and funny stuff. And really? no, there were That's points. what prevents me from going. <laughs> it's not that bad. I mean, the I'm, dust was bad this year. The what was? The, the dust. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. What is like an ideal condition? Because the whole thing just seems sandy and uncomfortable to me. It is. Like if you don't like being dirty or hot, no. is, burning no. is not for you. No. No. <laughs> um, I like it showers. Was, I like yeah. comforts. You like I like a bed. I want to be able to sleep at night. I like a hospital within reasonable driving distance. <laughs> yeah. There was and they do have like medics, like their medical tents set no, up. No, hospital. <laughs> I would like infrastructure, please. They could actually do <laughs> surgery. Well, I have this really funny. I do not story. trust surgery in the <laughs> tent. This is not the Civil War. We're not no we have buildings now. So do you want to hear something funny? In my camp, we have um, multiple nurses, like these are like trauma, um, like ER nurses, mm. um, two surgeons, uh, one of them plastic, actually three surgeons. I'm sorry. Excuse you. Plastic surgeons. A, why are there plastic surgeons at Burning Man? These, these are just people that are in my camp. These are like my oh, friends. Okay. This is like their oh, oh, they're not set up. They're not yeah, like yeah. No, no, no. Okay, good. <laughs> no, no, no one's getting a butt lift at the burn. I would believe it though, because y'all are absurd individuals out in that desert. Yeah, it is. It's pretty fucking weird. Um, but in my camp alone, and then this year, and I'm sure there are other people that I'm not even remembering, but we had a, a someone come. It was their first time. Um, she came with her boyfriend, who was a member of our camp previously, and she is like a pediatric anesthesiologist. So, and we actually had four kids in our camp. This year, um, like my, some of my best friends and actually my in-laws brought their five and seven-year-olds. So wow. I was like, we're covered. Like if anything goes down, like we had like people were having heat stroke. We were able to give them IVs like in our own camp. So it did feel a little cushy in that way. Um, but also like why are we putting ourselves in conditions where heat stroke is the norm? It was so hot this year that if you went out during the day – for a couple of hours, like you were in pretty bad shape. So that's kind of not enjoyable. I love daytime parties. So to be sort of restricted to nighttime hours was not the best. I have a feeling I will end up <clears throat> at Burning Man one day, just considering a lot of the company that I keep. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have to really work up to that. So I'm not the complaining person 
in the camp. You don't want to be that guy. I know I might be that guy. I refrain until I'm confident I might not be that guy. But like right now, I would be that guy, so I don't go. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what's like the most challenging, like, do you go to festivals or camping or anything that would like feel like the two of those together? Not your vibe. Not, not my vibe. Like I'll do it. Like if like, if a bunch of people want to go camping, I would go camping with a group of friends, but like, I do not have a desire to go out into the middle of a desert in a temporary village and like, (laughs) dance right i'm yeah. like i can do that in bushwick and then i can come home at 4 30 in the morning and you know grab a late night slice of pizza and and watch an episode of thing and go to sleep in my air-conditioned apartment that that's yeah. my vibe yeah uh, <laughs> also like again i like the sh- i like showers i like some comfort yeah but uh yeah no i and i also don't really like music's not like it's not that i don't like music it's kind of like saying like people hate, you know, you ever go to like Times Square and people are like, hey, you like to laugh, right? Like who doesn't like to laugh? I like music, but I am not this person where like I need to go experience music with 5,000 other people. Right. You're not like going to try to chase the party and the DJs and that's not your thing. Like you don't know who's playing. The the All the concerts I've been to in the last, let's say, year and a half were like the woman I was dating at the time brought me to them. She's like, I want to go see, um, who do we see? I think we saw Sean Paul, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I will go to Sean Paul. Okay. We saw Caroline Polachek, uh, cause she wanted to go see, like, we'll go see a DJ cause she wants to, but I'm not going to be like, Oh my God, I really want to see this DJ. It's more like yeah. I will bounce up and down with you because you're super hot <laughs> and I love you. And I want to experience things with you. Yeah. Got and it. likewise, I bring her to like a comedy show where she's like, why is that angry Jew on the stage just being mad? Why is- yeah. And I'm like, because Mark Maron's a brilliant comedian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a good time to say. I'm here with uh, the host of the Open Late podcast, Jessica Esfandiari. Please tell me I said that right. You have a lot of syllables. You did. Actually, you said it perfectly. I am back to back. I just had, I'm releasing an episode tomorrow with, uh, with an Emily Gindelsparger. Whoa. And I'm just like, it, it, everybody trying to challenge me right now. That's how uh, you made up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, es, and Esfandiari, just a very common last name. Totally. Super common in <laughs> Iran. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm a dumb American. What do I know? Nothing. Yeah. I know nothing. I can me maybe either. help somebody fist somebody. That's about the extent of my knowledge. Do you teach classes for that? No, just people very mistakenly email me asking questions like that. And it's just like, I'll look, the only thing I need to be able to give advice is that somebody has to ask me for it. That's all. <laughs> you're it's like, not my fault if they make a bad decision. You're like, I'll teach it. I'll teach it. I'll, I'll teach it if that's what you want. And I can also help you like have a discussion with someone if you want to open up your relationship to fist somebody else. And like, that's really all I, I can help with. I can be like, here's how to fist and here's how to ask your spouse if you can do fisting with somebody else. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know what else. <laughs> but uh, but the open in the open late podcast name does refer to open relationships, right? That's That's your bag. That's what you're up to. That's my bag. That's my cup of tea. Wait, hold that, on one second. Okay. Because I'm looking at our recording, like our uh-huh. little audio waves, and yours yep. are really big and bright and nice, and mine are shitty and dumpy. I don't think they're shitty and dumpy, but if you would like to feel like on par, you can – I wouldn't do it too much, but you can turn the gain up a little bit on your on your mic. 
They're almost all. I noticed that in the beginning, so I actually turned mine down a bit. But like, okay. But I I think in post it's gonna it'll raise up. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, mine's is all the way, all the way up. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you'll be fine. And like I said, worst case scenario is like in post I can raise your. That's again, these are separate tracks, so I can raise you up on your own if if that's uh, needed. Raise me up so I can climb on mountains. Isn't that like a church song? Uh, no, that was Josh Groban. You raise me up. Yeah, yeah. We uh, in my, yeah. my, my boarding school, we had a performing arts show every family weekend. And the there was always a finale song where all everybody's on stage. And, you know, they, they separated us by tenor and bass and all whatever the voice ranges are. And we practice like incessantly for weeks so that we don't embarrass ourselves in front of our parents and uh one year the finale was you raised me up wow yeah and i had to learn uh i had to learn the bass and you you the bass does not go upwards you know how you went like you raise me up mm-hmm. right no bass it's you raise me and you go down up and i don't understand why yeah but i didn't want pam birchie to yell at me so i did what i was told <laughs> I mean, I, it's like impossible for me to actually do that. I've tried before to do harmonies and my brain does not compute. No, you're, <laughs> you're a solo artist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so well in your, I just, I'm going to grab the word solo and run with it in your, in your love life. Like, do you date solo or do you all date together? So we date solo for the most part. I mean, we have dated together, but what I find that's like the entryway point for a lot of relationships that look like ours that end up opening, you know, like cis, het, man and woman presenting, whatever. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't really come out or really understand like how bisexual or queer I was until I was married to a wow. man. Um, but in general, I feel like most couples who are like us, will open up thinking like, oh, yeah, let's find like, oh, she's into women. She wants to explore. Sounds like a jackpot for him. You know, whatever. Let's like try to find somebody to date together. Is it a jackpot? Because to me, it sounds like more. Oh, me and two women sounds like double the work. Thank you. It is. It's it's like very challenging. Um, And like I think guys – think about it and they're like, okay, we're going to get into it. And it's going to be like all sunshine and roses. And it's like, no, it's a lot more emotions to manage for everybody and personalities. And the point that I was getting to too, is like, it's really hard to find somebody that both people are attracted to and want to be with, which everyone thinks it should be easy because you, you're like, oh yeah, we have the same, we're attracted to each other. So why wouldn't be, why wouldn't be why wouldn't we be attracted to the same type of person? But that is so not the case. Like mm. I hardly want to date the women that my husband's attracted to. Um, why, why is that? It's it's interesting. We have like different dating styles. And okay. um, I think just the array of women that he's dated over the years, it's almost like I want him to have this thing on his own too. Whereas he's like, I would rather you be there. So we have like that difference as well. well so what's um, his dating style? Well, it's changed. I mean, because we've been non-monogamous for almost nine years now, going on nine years. Mazel. But he would <laughs> – thank you. Um, he would date – more. 
Okay, this is going to sound terrible, but I always make Perfect. these jokes. I'm like, he leaves a trail of tears. Mm. He is like, um, and it's maybe not even about the woman, but he attracts a certain type of girl that maybe like looks at him as a mentor because he's very driven and successful and he's like into personal development. Does he and- date women exclusively between the ages of 20 and 26? Not exclusively, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> no. I would say, I would say, like twenty-five to thirty. Okay, thirty-two, and I need more. So, um, although we did date together for um, about a year and a half, maybe even longer, we were kind of a, a bit of a triad. We never mm-hmm. really put a name on it, but with Lauren, who then I carried on a relationship with for an extended period of time after as well, even after they became more friends. So we've had this one experience of being in love with the same person and that was amazing and incredible and I wouldn't change it. Mm. Um, Once I was with her, I also didn't have desire to be with a lot of other women. I was still dating other men, but that just totally filled my cup. Like, Filled my diva cup. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, when I was like with Lauren more, I mean, we're still partners in our work and like we call each other life partner, but we've also since, you know, not really had a romantic relationship, but I mean, she's still like in my life all the time, all day, every day. And so when I was having her in my life all the time, I'm like, I don't really, I can't really, I don't have space for like another woman and he'd be like, but she's so great. So maybe she was. Maybe other women were great. But it's just where I was in my life too. And then I call it the trail of tears because for a long time, he would not really date with the intention to have a relationship outside. Mm-hmm. He just really wanted casual outlets, fun. Like he liked to have many, you know, carry on a little relationship. But I like consistency and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And so – if I liked a guy, I would date him for two years. Um, and that was sort of my MO. And the funny thing is now we're like completely shifted. And uh, now he's looking for things that have more substance. And I'm too busy. And I'm just looking for vacation dick at this point. I'm just okay. like, I just want things that are simple. Um yeah, that I don't have to manage other people's emotions. Don't we like it when the men kind of mature and be like, okay, I think I'm now ready for something a little more consistent? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. What what is, what is good vacation dick to you? Um, well, I was in Iceland in June and I actually hooked up with two different guys while I was there. I was there for almost two weeks. And so like the first night I got there um, – Met a guy at the Irish pub, was not Icelandic, which was the goal. I was like, can I get somebody that looks like a Viking? (laughs) Total, total American, like idiot traveling to Iceland. And I'm like, they're going to be a Viking here. Um, And I ended up hooking up with a guy who who does live there in Reykjavik, but who was from Spain. Hmm. And that was, that was good. It was really good. He was an artist, very passionate. We met, we went salsa dancing, and then I went to his apartment. Great. On the like last end of my trip, right before I was leaving, I met this Turkish guy and he was very like, you know, 
I don't know, muscular and handsome. And he was there for like a jujitsu conference. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, this is a bit more my speed. Um, and it was just great. Like, what, what, why is that, that more your speed? I like, um, well, my husband's Middle Eastern. So it's mm-hmm. funny because I was, I've always been attracted to Middle Eastern men like my whole life. And then actually, once I, married my husband. Then I started dating like American white boys for like, you know, some flavor. Um, (laughs) And so I don't know. I think just being drawn to like, he's also a tourist. We're in like an interesting place. There's a lot of newness energy, right? There's so much novelty, right? You're on vacation. It's going to be super hot. I never have to see him again unless I want to. And then maybe we carry on this like romantic affair all over the world because he lives in Germany. And I was like, okay. So a lot of that, like a lot of that energy went into it. And then he was very dominant in bed, which I really like. Mm. And uh, yeah. And then he left without, I kind of kicked him out. He was trying to sleep over and I was like, "Mm -mm." because I had this Airbnb with my, my best friend and Lauren actually, you know, my like other partner. And, um, you know, I was like, (laughs) at some point, Lauren's going to want to come in this room and sleep. (laughs) So you have to go, which made me feel like I was in college again. Like I've traveled around and like I've done that. And, you know, normally now we're adults, so we don't really have, you know, hookups with other people in the same apartment, but that happened. So it's nice to feel young again. That's what made it super hot. Yeah. That's is that not like your norm when you travel? No, I actually I don't often hook up with people when I travel because I travel with a lot of like really good friends. We have like a really tight community here in LA. It's like a family and mm. we go on trips together and so I'm not generally trying to take time away from those people to go have this like hot hookup thing. Um the, I guess what was different about Iceland was Lauren and I were both like, we need some strange. It's been a long time. Um, we we were like super committed to work. Um, we built a business together and most of the beginning of the year was like work, work, work. So we're like, we need to let loose. We landed in Reykjavik and we're like, competition is on. We're all getting laid. <laughs> like, okay. like We had to set it up like it was basically a game. How'd she and do? I'm very competitive. She also hooked up with somebody the same night that I did, but it was like the second time that I did. So I was clearly um, leading in the races. Um, Yeah, I'm very competitive. So I guarantee if we didn't make it like a competition, I probably wouldn't have hooked up with anybody. Oh, okay. So you just got to be challenged to a game. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, you know, when you're home and I know you said like, now you're more in this like casual trying to find people's stuff. Um, like where do you go to meet new, as you put, call them uh, casual outlets, which I've never heard that phrase before. I kind of like that. I just need yeah. a casual outlet for my cum. Like, right. It's like, you just need a, <laughs> I just need somebody that mechanically works. That's pretty to look at. No. Um, it's funny. I, I I always joke that I'm like a very boring, non-monogamous person because mm-hmm. I haven't dated a ton. But when I do, um, I have just used Field and other apps 
Um, and then like LA is kind of a hotbed of non-monogamy and polyamory. So you can find people here to date. I've actually not met anybody through like a friend of a friend and started dating them. So it's always been either on an app mm. or like there are some people in my life who I was friends with first and then started hooking up with, but okay. you know, met through different scenarios. Um, but field's been like my main place, right. which maybe isn't great. Everyone, you know, people, I don't know. What's your opinion on field? I mean, I just think that it's like a, um, it's a more sex positive Tinder. I think there's more you can do. I think, okay. You know how, like, I, I assume you've been like, you go on occasion or have been to like play parties, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like at a play party. Mm-hmm. It is within a realm of appropriateness for me to like say to someone, uh, you know, this happened uh, several parties back a few months ago. Like I'm walking up this uh, up the stairs, and I, I I told this one when we got to the top of the stairs. I said, "Hey, I just got to say, like, your ass looks amazing in this outfit that you got going on." Um, mm-hmm. She had a very like purposeful outfit, like is you know, it was my way of complimenting the outfit and her ass, and that's like with it, that's something you're. You can say yeah. in a certain way, and that's like okay in that space. Mm-hmm. Can't do that at say the bookstore or someone's house party. Right, a little less, a little more out of bounds yeah. to do it there. Right. So similarly, I think you can approach in ways on field that are in bounds on that app mm-hmm. that are not as in bounds on Tinder. Unless someone's like bio has kind of given you those hints that you can, you know, like, I mean, I had a bio for a while that said, I'm just looking to go down on pretty people and eat pizza. (laughs) That gives an allowance to open in a more sexual way if they want to. Right. Right. Um, So we've seen those bios where like on Tinder, Bumble, you can get a little raunch, but that's because they set it up that way. So on field, I think you just have a little more leeway to go towards the sexual so it just depends what you want, right? Like, yeah. and if you want something a little bit more hookup-y, Tinder's good for that, but I like field because I can be a little more explicit about it. Mm-hmm. And that's a way I like to flirt. Not in a like, hey, what's up, lady? I want to eat your ass, <laughs> right? Like, I just feel like the type of innuendos and jokes I make yeah. lead to that. And also because I talk about sex for a living, mm-hmm. um, it's just, a sa- I feel safer talking about my work. Yeah. Uh, you know, on Tinder, it, it, I think sometimes that can weird a person out if they didn't check the bio right away. Or I don't mm-hmm. know. I just like Field. It just seems like more of my people. Yeah. I mean, and the good thing about Field is it's also like sort of the agreement that people are more open to non-monogamy. So yeah. I don't have to – I don't run into as many people on Field. There are still some who assume there's something wrong with my – marriage. Yeah. And that's why I'm like looking to date other, you know, people. Whereas like you find that a ton on Tinder. And I actually, I haven't used Tinder in a very long time, but I have uh, met people on Bumble. Mm -hmm. And actually that's another place where I met like one or two kind of guys that I dated. Um, And then, which I totally forgot to mention, like play parties. That's another space that you can, and that I have like met people and um, but do you and Laura never make that a game? Like, hey, we're gonna go to Sanctum or wherever the fuck you go out there and be like, let's see who can, you know, who who gets who gets the most people going down. I don't know, whatever weird yeah. pervy game. Well, so up we with. we've never made it a game at a play party. We've been to play parties together, um, but we should, and that's the thing. It comes back to I haven't actually devoted a lot of time 
to play and to mm-hmm. focusing on my pleasure actually until this year. And it was the the trip that I took um, in June was it was a month long trip like away from work. It was the first time that I had done it probably since before COVID. Um, at that length, I've taken like 10 days off or something like that, but I'm a bit of like a workaholic and an extremist. So I started to realize that a, I'm in a non-monogamous relationship and I'm like having imposter syndrome. Cause like there's very little, we, we live that lifestyle where we're very open and can do whatever. And, and sure we, I probably have had hookups that I'm forgetting about where it's like, Oh yeah, I, I do exercise it, but it was starting to feel like, where is the sex and the desire in my life. Like I want to, I'm, I'm not going to look like this forever. <laughs> like I should probably be capitalizing on this now. And I'm, I'm going to have children soon. Like we're, we're planning to start a family next year. So we've both been a bit more intentional about like, let's a have a lot of fun because we're on the same page about that. We want the most out of life. Mm-hmm. And we, are in this interesting place where we want to build community in the non-monogamy space as well. We have an amazing community of people that we've been pretty instrumental in building and collecting. I would take ownership of that, my husband and I here in LA. And we were like, but it's like all of our friends and we're not, we don't sleep with any of them. Well, for the most part, there may be. Yeah, I was going to say, what, 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 what do you mean you don't fuck your friends? Uh, no, those, are, those are my favorite friends. There are maybe a couple. And it's actually maybe becoming some of our friends are like curious about being open. Um, and so it's interesting times, but we want to put effort and energy into dating more and meeting people now who can maybe grow with us and stay in our lives. Um, so the trail of tears has to stop and we, we want to be more. I I also may have to do with the type of women that he, he's big. I don't know. So do you, I heard that, you know, do do you two ever kind of judge the types of, people you end up hooking up with or sleeping with, like either whether you meet them or you're just showing picture or talk, tell stories and there's like, Oh, or are you ever like, Oh, you ever going to, you ever going to date someone over the age of 30? Like what's going on? <laughs> it's so funny. We're making it sound like awful and it's actually not it's even not awful. It's fun. It's, it's, it's teasing. It's playful. It's teasing. Yeah. But it's really not his MO. Actually a lot of the, like he, he has dated some really smart women and I'm like, okay, I'm just, but I don't want to like have sex with her. <laughs> I the, think it, but have, that kind of how it goes down. Like he's, he's trying to see like, if you want to join in and uh, he's like pitching you threesomes that you're kind of like that, ah, not my type, not my type. He loves when I'm there. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. He would 10 times out of 10, I think want me at least to be a part of it. I, and I think it's just like who he is as a person too. He's like very much like, um, I don't know. He's a Pisces. He's all about connection with me and making sure. sure we're on the same page. And, you know, he's just like, he wants to, he wants me to be swimming in the pool with him. And I'm, I'm very independent. And I'm like, I really enjoy us having our own thing. And I think that's the beauty of non-monogamy and what makes then our relationship so special. Cause we get to share these things that we haven't seen mm-hmm. in the other person. So I'm like, I don't really want to be there for all of it. And we've had, I mean, I've had amazing threesome experiences with him and there are women that I'm like, yes, please. I'm coming to that Mm -hmm. party, but it's been, it's been more rare. And we, we do tease each other sometimes. And then our therapist was like, this isn't teasing. There's like resentment under here. And then, you know, they want to pull the thread on that. And then you're in therapy about it. And we're like, all right. 
Um, There can be like a sense of safety of like having the person involved again, even if it's not like say in the bed, but some kind of involvement, whether it's, I want to be, I want to come home directly to you and then like immediately, you know, do something with you or I want to tell you because I know that when in my last relationship, I started ha- when there was there was tension about the non-monogamy because she was very new to it. She's also you know there's a lot going on there, and she had she, I met her a week after she left her husband, who she'd been with for twelve years. Right, there was mm-hmm. a lot going on, but but the non-monogamy was definitely new, and it was there was a lot of struggles there. And I knew when there was tension about it, I didn't want to hook up with as many other people. Uh, and yeah. when, like, when things were good with us, I wanted to hook up with other people. Mm-hmm. When things weren't great, I didn't want to because it's not fun to, like, for me to go hook up with somebody and think, like, she's at home having a hard time about this, right? Um, and if that's like a consistent thing, and so it's almost like having her blessing to go is what makes that fun. It's mm. not fun without the blessing because I don't want to cause tension. The thing that's most important to me, exactly. Well, that's a very like conscious and very self-aware way to go about non-monogamy. It's like pretty great. I mean, that's like you're you're doing it well. Um, not to say that people who are doing it differently are not doing it well, but I and think- And don't worry. Okay. There's other parts of it where I don't do it well. So, <laughs> yeah. But, you know. <laughs> Balance. Um, Posh is very similar to you. Like, I mean, and we, we have always had that agreement. Like, we really only- date or play like outside of our relationship when we feel like our relationship's really solid and our Mm -hmm. foundation is good and we're in a good connected place. And I I like to be involved in other ways, which you Mm -hmm. said something that made me realize that. Like I'll go to dinner with them, you know, (laughs) and then I'm like, okay, bye. Um, And I like to know who the person is if I think that they're going to become like a part of his life even for a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, mainly it's, it's important and healthy because Sometimes we could see things about people that, you know, your partner can't see that might be like a red flag or like a green flag or, you know, whatever, yellow, who knows. Uh, (laughs) So I do like to meet them and like suss it out. Yeah. And, and, you know, everything always evolves. Like this is how we are right now. And we've been talking a lot about, you know, just being more intentional, creating community and having partners that can be a lot more consistent or actually be a part of our lives more, which, you know, we had with Lauren. And I don't know if it'll come to fruition as we become parents. I think we have these like high hopes that it will, but then I talk to other people who are like, you know, non-monogamous parents and they're like, good luck. Like you're not going to have time for anything. Mm. Um, And then I didn't interview. What? Yeah. In the early years. Um, I did an interview the other day for Open Late with Jessica Levity. I don't know if you know her, Remodeled Love, but she just wrote a book called Polyamory and Parenting because her and her partner, Joe, have been non-monogamous for nearly a decade as well, I think, and they have two little kids. So they're kind of exactly where we are three years ahead, right? So they're like already have a great foundation they know exactly who they are, what they want. I mean, our non-monogamy is so kind of on the back burner of our lives. People are like, talk about the hard times. I'm like, we haven't seen them in seven years, you know? So <laughs> it's like the imposter syndrome that I have having the podcast. But it's cool because I'm like, oh, it is possible. They date all the time. They have a lot of, you know, things that they've set up to make it possible. Um, but I'm like, all right, it is possible. We'll see. 
It's absolutely possible. I see, uh, you know, at the the community I go to, Hacienda, like there are plenty of parents there. Uh, sometimes they're talking about their kids at the party, uh, which is, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes, oh, I'm getting to know you. And sometimes it's like, I don't know if we need to talk about this right now uh, in this <laughs> environment. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, uh, totally possible to do it. I've seen it happen over and over again. Uh, you may not be like f- on five dates a night like maybe you once were, but, you know, Non-monogamy and parenting, poly and parenting, totally possible. And, uh, you know, I've seen some people who like they don't even attempt it because they're they just don't think it can be. And so it's cool to hear that about that book. I'm going to have to check it out uh, or check out like her work because I don't think I've heard of a lot of books tackling that intersection of topics. Yeah, I haven't ever. So this could very well be the first one. I remember the first one that, you know, is making it to you know, be talked about on Instagram. Cause she's, you know, I feel like there are a ton of people probably practicing and who have created things for it, but maybe they're not also an awesome content creator and know yeah. how to like speak about it publicly, which she is. I'll send you her Instagram. You'll, she's really funny. Like she's also a, a comedian. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the people who like, they do talk about their, they're great content creators and they talk about this topic, but they just don't talk about the parenting part of the non-monogamy that much, right? Like, I mean, there, there are some poly content creators like I pro- who are probably parents and I don't even realize it, right? Because they, yeah. that's just not the angle that they, they do. Uh, I think there's so many people who are just trying to teach like non-monogamy 101 mm-hmm. that I, I don't see as often those like higher level concepts, like how you deal with parenting and, and things like that. Um, gosh, if you, I mean, if you're two couples who date and or fuck each other, who have kids, gosh, like if someone's like, Hey, we want to go to the party this night. Can you, can you watch the kids? We'll watch the kids when y'all want to go to a fuck zone. Yeah. Um, you know, you could do a little that swap. Great. It'll yeah. be, it'll be swapping in a way they're not normally swapping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What kind of conversations are you and Posh having around, um, your relationship model and, and the family planning? Um, they're, they're pretty, I mean, we're so on the same page that we don't have to talk about it a ton. We're both, we're both at a place where we're really intentional about who we're dating now or who we're bringing like into our lives. Right. All so right. he's, he's in this place now where he's not interested in so much casual. And although I have been the, we both agree that we're not bringing a ton of people around our kids unless they're going to, you know, stay in our lives. Sure. But the people that are, are here all the time. Our house is like Grand Central Station, first of all. We have, we built a gym or yeah, we built a gym in our garage during COVID and it's like, it's like an actual gym. It's, it's aggressive. So all of our friends work out here and we have like a sauna and a cold plunge and a hot tub in our backyard. Uh, so I was like going to note that I got to hit you up when I'm in LA yeah, and I need to the gym. <laughs> so, and our friends, like I said, you know, we're, we're like kind of a big burner community. I've been going for eight years. A lot of mm. my best friends in the world are with people that I met at Burning Man. So there's a lot of people here who really love each other, like who are deeply in love, even though it's like non-sexual. And I think that's weird for people to understand a lot of. And I think being open has helped me realize that like, I don't have to put this barrier on my love and who I give it to. Mm. And so a lot of my friends, like, even though I don't have sex with them or don't want to have sex with them, like I kiss them on the mouth. Right. And we have that sort of relationship and a very like affectionate vibe. Mm. So I would gather that the way my kids are going to grow up 
it's not going to be weird for them to like be around other partners, especially if they would be in our lives as friends and there could be fluidity. Like if we stop hooking up, it's not like you're going to be scorned and we're never going to speak again. It's like, okay, we're just not doing that anymore. And um, I mean, you know, you're, you know, in the same sort of lifestyle, people really over-sexualize non-monogamy in general, right? And it doesn't have to be, right? Like we both are very sex positive and we talk about it for a living. So it's a bit different, but in my day-to-day life and around my kids, even if I did bring a partner it's not like I'm gonna like do anything in front of right. them. I probably just yeah. think they're friends. So, like the I kids think, don't know. The kids yeah. just know that that's mommy's special friends. Like, and that's really all they need to know until they like hit puberty and start asking bigger questions. Right, and hopefully we have a lot more representation at that point. You know, 15 years from now yeah. or 10 years from now, where it is you know, not super taboo to have an open relationship and your kids, well, you know, my kids don't feel like they're the other or they're, you know, there's something wrong with their family. Um, So that's the goal. And so Pasha and I are very aligned in that. And we don't really have to have a lot of conversations about it because we're Mm -hmm. like, oh, our lives probably not going to change very much. Um, They're going to know Lauren very well and probably everyone else in our community who's like, slowly maybe opening up or interested and some of the new people that we've met just since I started to pay more attention and be more intentional. I think this summer and at Burning Man this year, you know, could be a really great new chapter Hmm. where it's very integrated. So I'm sensing that there's not like a ton of friction with you and Posh. Like it sounds like if any speed bump is truly just a speed bump that there's not like any sort of big struggles these days. No, it's so boring. Um, well, so in then our, in our, in our non-monogamy. Well, I mean, in the non- whether it's the non-monogamy part, relationships have friction that have nothing to do with the non-monogamy, right? They, yeah. but if you know, there's no friction, there's not really a lot of friction now. Do you have any concerns about when you add this new big element of like starting a family? Mm. Are you nervous about having friction in the relationship about non-monogamy or not? Are you nervous about like having new problems that you've never had to face before? Kind of, kind of like disrupting maybe yeah. a copacetic vibe y'all got going on. Such a good question. Um, and I, I will say that aside from non-monogamy, we've had a ton of friction in our huh? relationship this year. Oh, so it's like, we fight Billy. We just don't fight about who we're fucking. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Okay. Actually, happy, happy to hear. The I guess that, we, that brings us together. <laughs> um, it's it's funny. It's interesting. We're both very much in love with what we do. You know, aside from like our our personal lives, he's extremely driven um, and has built like a real estate business um, and has always been doing that, but is just really passionate about what he's doing right now mm-hmm. and went from working alone to building like a whole company in the last 18 months. And then I've always been a workaholic. Um, and, you know, Lauren and I built a business together that's, you know, uh, a lot focused on retreats and masterminds and coaching programs and medicine work. And I can get really deep into my work and forget that like I have a, also a life to live and a relationship to tend to. And my partners have suffered because of it. Like mm. point blank, 
it's like it was it's to the point of like addiction. And that is my addiction. It's like, well, I love what I do. And then I I, I isolate. And so the cool thing is I know it and I'm working on it. So I'm actually, well, we're in therapy. I mean, we've, we've been because like, we were just like, oh, we're growing in different directions and we're very different. And being really honest about like, are we even enjoying our time together? It feels forced sometimes. We'd rather be doing whatever, like work and um, feeling like we weren't really in support of each other's work sometimes because there was like that resentment because we didn't spend any time together, mm. which high level of that is we just kind of like got bumped off of our connection. And like one therapy session usually brings it back, you know, but you really have got to dig into where it all comes from and the root causes of it and me looking at my childhood and like how I was raised to see like why I bury myself in work and why I don't turn to being connected to my partner or partners um, and why I get validation there instead of like from my own self and like Mm -hmm. from my relationship, like why is that not enough? And so – I mean, and he's done some internal work too, but I can't speak to his, only my process. I would say that this has been like one of my biggest life learnings was like this year. And so I'm more or less like moving into motherhood in a very intentional way. I know I keep saying that word. It's like very resonant for me right now, but even like centralizing and focusing on my pleasure and Mm -hmm. wanting to be like, I should be like having more fun or more orgasms or whatever is literally going to make me a better parent and because it's going to make me a happier woman and a better mm. human and like we're going to have a happier marriage because of it. So non-monogamy is not an issue. My addiction to work has been. And I think because I've spent the last like three months really looking at it and having the support of like a good partner who's like, no, we need to be in therapy every week because I'm not raising kids with you. Like we need to like grow out of this mm-hmm. um, has been like a huge kind of breakthrough for me personally. When you and said not raise kids with you, you mean like you in your current form? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. So my, it's, it's a joke that we make. My husband used to play poker professionally. Um, and I was like, I'm not raising kids with a poker player, like nothing against it. And I know so many amazing poker players, like, that I love and that are amazing parents. I have to say that like very, very really. Cause I know a lot of poker players. I, I wouldn't call any of them that amazing. Yeah. It's wild. I know some, I think I know one well-adjusted poker playing dude. Who's a parent. Yeah. Everyone else is like, dude, you should go home to your kids. Yeah. (laughs) And, and there's a ton of them out there as well. I have to say, I have like courtside seats to an incredible dad who also plays for a living, but he plays like a ton less. Like he doesn't really play, you know, all these tournaments anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But when Pasha was playing all the time and like, you know, you know, that lifestyle, um, I was just like, this isn't like the lifestyle I want for Mm -hmm. a family. And he was doing real estate, you know, but it wasn't like what he was doing all the time. And I'm like, if you you want to have a family with me, this was like a couple of years ago, I want you to build like an actual real estate business. And he was like, okay, done. And so he came back and had like really built this incredible company with like a, like with give back as like the kind of focus of it. And he was like, okay, uh, I don't want to raise kids with this person. And I was like, basically like I've done this life overhaul now 
to um, really get to a place where it does feel healthy and I feel like I'm going to show up like a good partner. I love that the, 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 the direct feedback say that you give him, look, I don't want to, I, if, if you, if we're going to start family together, like I want you to not be a professional poker player. I would like you to start like some sort of business. And he's like, done, do it. Like, give me, that's what I would like. Um, you know, if I'm with someone before you decide, like, I don't think there's a future with this guy. How about you tell me the, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might be able to opt in and say like, all right, I can do that. I right. got to start a podcasting business or I got to start this or I need to be, you know, the comedy needs to be doing X or yeah. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Yeah. Just, just I'm stupid. <laughs> Guys, I, I know I can do a lot of things. I'm going to do what I want to do until I know what it is I quote unquote have to do. Yeah. And then I will either do that or I'd be like, fuck that. And then fuck you. I'm out. Right. But like, I don't know. Just, just, tell, me just tell me it. Yeah. 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 Tell me if I need to start, if I need to like write a book and sell it for, to justify my lifestyle, whatever it is, just tell me. I want to justify it. Yeah. What's yours? Um, something. So similarly, you're also like, I don't fucking know. I'll write something, but like, I, you know, I like the idea of writing a book. Sounds. Yeah. Like I, I think relationships through my lens of non-monogamy for sure. Like it's definitely an openly themed book. Because there's not that many great resources out there for, for us, you know. I like the I don't like the idea of writing the book. I like the idea of having a book. Does yeah, exactly. I like the idea of selling a bestseller. Yeah, I'm, writing. I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> That's what ghostwriters are for. Yeah, no. I mean, I can I can write the thing. I don't know. Right now, I'm working on. I I have been working on an actual uh, book of dirty haikus. That's that's actually been getting worked on. Jessica, I may not be able to write. 20,000 words, but I can do poetry 13 syllables at a time. That's a skill. That is, 17. Fuck. I'm see, I'm already fucking that up. I was like, I got, I was trying to cheat at four syllables here. I was Listen, like, <laughs> you don't need to color inside the lines. You be the Picasso of haikus. Oh no. We call this a bill. This is a Billy haiku. Okay. 13 syllables. I can, what they do in 17, I do in 13. Exactly. Right? That's just, We're that's just what I do. see here. <laughs> Um, well, uh, Jessica, I don't know what your time's looking like. Do you have time, maybe another 10, 20 minutes to do a little bonus episode for the Patreon? I think so. Let's do it. It's okay. If not, just one check first. Okay. Um, I had a few things. I know we didn't get to talk about, um, the sexual healing, imposter syndrome. There was a, there's a question where the answer, I'm just going to tell listeners the answer is anal. I'm not going to tell them what the question was, but you (laughs) fed me that pre-interview and I was like, well, I'm definitely going to ask what that's about so patreon folks five dollar and up folks you're going to hear that tomorrow but for now jessica tell us a little bit more like about this um you know what you're doing about open late and where they can find you plug the things the things so um open late the podcast on instagram because we did just get our account reinstated, you know. Rarely nice. happens. Yeah. Um, it's always nice when Instagram restricts your account for no reason with no explanation. Um, tends to happen to us sex positive folks. Mm-hmm. But basically, Open Late the Podcast on Instagram. And what? And tell us real briefly, what is Open Late the Podcast? Um, it's, it's essentially a podcast about relationships through my lens of non-monogamy. You know, I've been open – as I mentioned with my husband for almost a decade. And so I interview other people who are non-monogamous, polyamorous, people who are opposed to such, um, other comedians. And 
just sex experts and people who are in the sex positivity world um, and just getting different perspectives and input on this relationship style, which is so trendy at the moment. You, you had on my favorite uh, poly TikTokers recently, Dana and the Wolf. Oh, they're amazing. Their TikToks are incredible. Yeah, they're so great. And they live like in LA. I actually, I think I'm, I told them because they were looking for actors and then they're like, no, this is dumb. We need to just cast actual people who are non-monogamous who can be in front of a camera. And I'm like, me. So I think I might go be in some of their TikToks. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I'm just starting out on TikTok. So check us out on there. And you can um, find a lot of cool resources on our website, which is just openlatepodcast.com. I uh, have a free quiz on there, which you can download. And it's a great quiz. It's a great, it's the best. She's very ex- the best <laughs> Jessica Esfandiari non-monogamy quiz in the game. Yeah. What's your relationship style? Um, there are others out there apparently, but I haven't <laughs> seen them. Um, so take the quiz. It takes less than five minutes and it'll sort of point you in the direction of which version of non-monogamy might be right start for you. Um, yeah, those are all the places. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, uh, patrons, we'll talk to you tomorrow, but for now, Jessica, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Adios, friends and fam and lovers and everything in between. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. Don't go just yet. I know we're at the end part and you're like, do I even need to listen to this part? Just, I got something juicy for you at the end of a few things, okay? I'm going to do a little business and then I'm going to give you like a little anal talk at the end and you're going to like it. So just just stay right there, okay, folks? Did you enjoy my episode with Jessica Esfandiari? I hope you did. We'd love to know about it. You know where to find us on the social media. We just told you where. But of course, I've always got the links to any and all of the things we talk about on this show, all the plugs, they're in the show notes. I'm not going to bore you with all of my handles right now, okay? You know where to find it. By the way, I, I want to thank you all for your patience with this glass box transition. Uh, I, I, you know, we're still getting some workflow stuff down pat over here. And, you know, some of you may have noticed last week that my ad reads were a little disjointed, dare I say, unedited. Uh, or as one guy said in the champagne room, he was just like, I don't know, Billy, you know, there was a lot of pause between words. I just assumed that you were getting a blowjob while you were reading the ad. And I'm like, well, that's fair. It's not, you know, that's happened before. Just not this time. I just like fucked up with a thing. So, you know, thank y'all for your patience on it. I know some of y'all don't like hearing commercials. You want to hear more of me. And, uh, you know, as this partnership develops, you'll be hearing more of that. Like with my new sponsor, Butcher Box which I am actually so excited about and I actually want to, to them to stick around as a sponsor. I'm giving them an extra plug because of the snafu last week. And I just want to remind y'all, if you want to get some quality meats at a quality price delivered to your door for free shipping, and by the way, get a free 10 to 14 pound turkey with whatever the hell you sign up for, get on the ButcherBox game. Go to butcherbox.com slash or use the promo code MANHOR at sign up. You know I wouldn't be giving free plugs if I didn't actually like all that fucking meat in my mouth. I want us all to be filled with meats in our mouths when we're not putting human meats in our mouth. I mean, like, not swallowing. It's not like Dahmer. 
that was kind of a random little accidental ad read. I just wanted to give them a shout out. Folks, now I'm going to play a little teaser of my bonus episode with Jessica. It's coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon for my $5 and up fan whores. And in this, we are talking about what was apparently a very healing, spiritual butt fucking. So I'm going to let Jessica tell you like a little tease about this experience. And if you want to hear the whole thing and you want to hear hundreds of other bonus episodes, or maybe you just want to support this whore boy with a heart of gold, sign up today at patreon.com slash man podcast. I hope uh, everyone's dates do not disappear and ghost them this week like a couple minded i hope you like come hard doing the thing i hope you have that really important conversation you gotta have with the person about you know escalating or de-escalating the relationship i hope you got some matches on that app i hope i hope they like actually follow through into something real because i want you all to stay slutty i just have this overwhelming rush of um this emotional release and I started crying and I had all of this sadness come up and come like through but it was such a relief and he was like what the fuck is happening should we stop because I just start bawling and I was like no please don't stop whatever is happening is really good 